Welcome back to the Made by Google podcast. I'm your host, Rashid Finch, and this is the podcast where you hear the stories from the people that build many of Google's products. And today, we're heading back home. You probably noticed that the Google Home app got a big redesign. In fact, we talked about this a while back when the changes were still in preview for those who wanted to try it out early. But now the new Google Home app is there for everyone. So I wanted to find out what changed between the preview and the real thing. And I'd love to hear what's next for Google Home. So really excited to welcome back our Director of Product Management for Google Home and Nest, Anish Kadukaran. Anish, welcome back. And just for the people who didn't catch our previous get-together, please tell us a little bit about yourself. Absolutely. Hey, Rashid. Uh, first of all, thanks for having me back uh, on the pod again. Of course. I had a blast last time. It's actually one of my first podcasts. So I'm really excited for the second go around. My name is Anish Katukaran. Uh, I'm the director of product for Google Home and Nest. Uh, so I actually started out my, my career working on, on launching uh, new mobile apps at a couple startups. Uh, one was in gaming. The other was in sort of mobile payments. Uh, now, this was, you know, in the early days of the Play Store and the App Store. So it's, uh, it's been a little while. Uh, and I've spent a good few years now at Google since working on a number of products like YouTube. Uh, so two years ago, when I was approached to uh, lead the overhaul and, and redesign of the Home app, uh, it was just a really incredible opportunity. And so as I reflect on, you know, those two apps that I mentioned earlier, you know, both were early in their product lifecycle. Both were newer concepts. We were working to find product market fit you know, understand what users would actually do with those apps to keep them coming back. With the home app, this is completely different, right? The app is already beloved by tens of millions of active users. Uh, you know, it serves a real utility for those users every day. Mm -hmm. And I personally have been one of them. Uh, from being one of the first uh, users of the very first Nest thermostat, I user one of the first, uh, the Google Chromecast, uh, one of the first Google Home speakers. So, you know, this redesign, really, really near and, and dear to my heart. And I'm, I'm just... Super thrilled to be back on here to chat about where we are and what we're uh, going to do on that journey. And we'll get to that redesign in a minute. But as you probably know, Anish, uh, we always like to ask our guests what's in their Google internal directory. So, you know, we can look up any Googler and they all have like this little mission statement. And yours says, build the most delightful and helpful experiences for the Google Home platform. I guess most people understand the first part of that. But what exactly entails the whole Google Home platform? What is that? So to build the most delightful and helpful experiences for, for Google Home users, uh, we've updated that a little bit. I think of this charter as both for myself and for my team. And you can sort of very easily get into a bit of a trap where, you know, when you lead an app with tens of millions of users to get lost in the data, to be steered by averages and P50s or P90s. Uh, and you can sometimes lose sight of the fact that there are real people on the other end relying on our app to feel safe and secure, to to know what's going on in their home or just to turn on the lights at night, right? Now, don't get me wrong, we're incredibly data-driven, but this charter is a, in a way to bring balance to that. You know, and the one thing that I'll add to that is, for me, delight starts with just sort of nailing the basics, right? There's a kind of delight that you get when things just work and they should very much be the starting point of delighting our users. So that's how I think about our charter. So the last time we spoke, a redesign for the Google Home app was underway. It was available as a preview for people who signed up for that. Now it's sort of out of the gate. Everyone can use it. So what sort of happened in between? What was it you were working on uh, since our last conversation? When we talk about why we redesigned the app, 
actually that that might be a, a good place to start sure. right uh, there's the what but uh, but the why is i think you know just as important so you know while the smart home has been around for a while and nest in many ways was a pioneer here in a lot of ways we're still in the earlier days of adoption of the smart home so as we looked at our user data on the one hand you know we had these users that were buying their first smart home devices complete novices right uh, and in contrast, some of our earliest adopters had 40, 50, 100 plus smart home devices in their app. So our users had these sort of vastly different needs of the Google Home app. New users just needed this absolute simplicity. And our most advanced users, kind of where we actually see the entire smart home uh, user base going over time, needed our app to grow with them as their homes and uh, its devices grew. So you add to the fact that, you know, home is an incredibly personal space that, that people configure in a million different ways. And, and for us, the realization was that the old version of the app just wasn't built and designed to serve such distinct needs or give folks the ability to make it their own, right? So, so back to the question of the what, uh, you know, mm-hmm. we, we went about redesigning the app, we brought it to preview. And, and if, we, if we were to compare this to sort of like an actual home renovation, uh, this would be, you know, consider it a, a sort of like a real house flip right? Where we went right down to the studs, uh, rebuilt the house. uh, But then we also brought some additional land and we expanded the home with a few new additions. Uh, And and what was really important here is that the foundation that we were laying would allow us to keep building into the future, right? So take this new version of the app and keep building on it uh, to serve millions more users that will come on board over the next, next couple of years. Uh, so, by the way, if you have no clue what I'm talking about with all these analogies, uh, very explicitly, right? So, we we rolled out the new Google Home app. Uh, it was in preview. Now it's available to everyone on mobile and tablet. Redesigned it from the ground up. Uh, we also rolled out a completely new Home app on Wear OS uh, with a preview on web. And you can find that at, at home.google. Uh, we built this incredibly powerful Android integration I'm excited to, sh- to share as well uh, called the Home Panel. Uh, and so, that's going to start rolling out with Pixel devices uh, including the brand new Pixel tablet and Pixel Fold. And lastly, but certainly not the least, uh, a script editor. And, and this is for our most advanced users to be able to automate their homes. Uh, so lots of lots of excitement uh, and, and lots of progress here. Yeah, we've got to talk about all of these. But one, one of the things you mentioned is you needed to redesign the home app for people who have dozens and dozens of smart home devices. At the same time, you'll have people who are doing their first steps in the smart home. Maybe they got their first smart bulb. So these are probably very different audiences, yet they're all using the same app. So how do you keep like both of these audiences happy? Not easily, right? <laughs> That's a tough problem. We spend countless hours uh, thinking about how, how we do that. I shared last time that we're on this, this journey to land a multi-year vision for the Google Home platform, right? Uh, and how and what we build is, is both this art and science. Uh, it sort of incorporates an opinionated point of view of what we think the future of the smart home should look like and how it should work uh, and balancing that with user insight, user testing, uh, and explicit, you know, feature requests and things like that from, from users. So, you know, we've transformed our development a lot over the last two years to ensure that we have a strong feedback loop at every step of the way. Uh, So I'll give you a couple examples. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, we started a, a rapid prototyping team. So very early in the process, uh, we no longer just design the product anymore, uh, but we actually build interactive prototypes that our teams use to test everything from how a smart home controller might lay out on, on different screen sizes, mobile to tablet to watches, uh, to how a user might expect to interact with a new device tile on their favorites tab. 
So that that was one. Now we then paired that with uh, with new rolling research processes. Now I think we've mentioned before, right? User research has, has always sort of been a core part of what we did. Mm-hmm. But what we changed was that we moved to this more constant cadence of it, right? So where we were running studies every few weeks, every month. And now we were doing that early research with actual prototypes that I just mentioned, right? So not just flat designs, but interactive prototypes. So the fidelity of that user feedback uh, started to get a lot higher, right? So we can get really valuable feedback from the users that have just the one device and they're just getting started, as well as users who have have a lot more. And and the third example I'll give you is is, is the one that you just mentioned, uh, public preview, right? Right. So we shared a, a preview of the new app about six months ago. Uh, think of it as a sort of a public opt-in beta, if you will. And, and, you know, this was a first for us. We ended up having over a half a million users actually sign up and share rich feedback for us. And that was great. staggering. Like, I, I don't know that we expected uh, just that volume of, of sort of like passionate interest in, in the new version of the app. Uh, and, and that was incredibly powerful. Uh, there's only so much you can test in these like small environments, right? So in particular, when you support thousands of devices for millions of users, it can just end up in these endless permutations of a home. Uh, and then we use that feedback. We use that feedback to make something like 50, you asked earlier, what have been we've been doing over the last few months while we've been preview? We've been taking that feedback and we've been updating the app, right? So we made something like 50 plus uh, usability and feature improvements. Uh, so for example, uh, the ability to favorite an automation, the ability to favorite group lights, uh, improvements to camera history, scrolling, uh, you know, users had shared feedback around some iconography not being as clear as that they would like. So we updated iconography. So all of that was a direct result uh, of of preview users giving us feedback over the last couple of months and our teams iterating. So can't wait for everyone to try this out as a result of that. So that's amazing. Since the preview came out, we had at least 50 features that were changed or updated based on the user feedback. Exactly. Uh, so over the last six months, uh, while we've been in preview, we took all that feedback in over 50 new features, usability improvements, iconography improvements. Uh, you know, we worked to address hundreds, if not thousands of, of bugs that users submitted via the app uh, and the major improvements uh, to performance uh, of the app, how fast it loads, how fast individual tabs load, camera live streams, things like that. Speaking of camera live streams, it seemed to me just from using the app that cameras got a lot more emphasis compared to the older version of the Google Home app. Is that actually the case? And was that on purpose? I'm glad you could tell. And of course, uh, this is one of the things that I'm particularly excited about. In Nest's legacy, cameras, of course, have always been a major part of that, right? And now our cameras have just been a place where we've long made major investments in AI and ML uh, from object and people detection to stream optimization so, you know, we're continuing to invest very heavily in both our camera experiences uh, and with sort of like AI and, and ML as a, as a sort of function of that. Uh, the Google Home app now lets you view your camera live views as soon as you open the app with, with no additional clicks uh, and, and very fast, I might add. So, you know, this is an example where user feedback was actually incredibly valuable. So I'll give you a really good example here, uh, Rashid. So users that had just cameras, Mm-hmm. Uh, especially if they had just used the Nest app before, were very comfortable with seeing all of their cameras on the first tab. Right. Pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. But users that had more smart devices other than cameras told us, hold on a second. If I have all my camera streams at the top, then that takes up all of the screen real estate. Right. Now, then I need to tap and scroll and do a bunch of 
you know, interactions before I can do something as simple as turning off the lights. So, you know, this is a balance of, you know, again, very distant needs of different kinds of users. So going back to, you know, one of our key design principles, give users their home, their way, how we decided to approach that problem was by bringing live streams to the home app via favorites, right? So if a user cared about a particular camera, they could favorite it. And if they favorited it, they saw the live stream on App Start. And then they could reorder it alongside all of their other devices in the right order for, for their needs, right? Fully customizable. That's an example of how both the investment in cameras plus the investment in giving users choice resulted in, in what we think is a much better experience uh, for users. Yeah, and thanks a lot for that. Obviously, the, the baby room is on top of my favorites. So we, we can keep an eye on that. Spot on. Same for me. Kids room right at the top. And bringing live streams obviously was a major investment, uh, bringing it to the first tab of the app. Uh, you know, it requires a, a, a number of sort of like performance heavy improvements. Uh, but by no means uh, was that where we stopped. Uh, when you actually click into the camera controller, uh, one of the things that, that users have shared a lot of feedback on that they really, really love is that we brought the Nest sort of famous vertical video history scrubbing uh, feature over from the Nest app into the home app. So what that means is, you know, users can now very quickly scroll through their footage uh, as needed. Um, and, and I mentioned earlier, right, performance improvements were, were massive here. So the team spent a lot of time improving the latency of our live feeds. The combination of experiences and performance hopefully ultimately are, are delivering that, that set of delightful user experiences that we, we talked about at the start. I guess we could walk through the tabs that are, you know, at the bottom of the app. So we talked about favorites and how great it is if you... If you like cameras or any other sort of smart home device that you put in there in your favorite order. So the second tab is devices, where I get, I think, a per room uh, view of all the devices I have. What would you say is the biggest change there compared to the older app? Let me actually just give you a little bit of context on, on why we even got to those tabs. Sure. I mentioned earlier, we, we thought of this redesign as laying the foundation for uh, the home app for the next few years of, of our smart home journey, right? And that will continue to build on as, as matter uh, continues to gain even more momentum. Uh, and so the, the five tab architecture and sort of like organization of the app is, is very related to how we see smart home evolving over time, which is that users will have more and more devices in their home, right? 50, 60, 70, like all of your appliances over time are just going to become smart and connected and coming to the home app. With that being said, you're not actually going to use every device every day in the sort of same way. And that's why you sort of had to balance having, you know, a single place where all of your devices would live with the ability to get to the ones that you use sort of on a daily basis. And that's sort of the two sides of the coin. Like I think of favorites, the favorites tab and the devices tab as sort of two sides of a coin. You know, on one side, the devices tab serves as this place, which is single place for everything. Uh, and then the favorites tab is the place to, to surface the most commonly used devices that you'll use on a, on a daily basis. So the favorites tab will give you, you know, uh, quick access to all of your, your top devices, camera live streams. We talked about that, your automations and your actions. And then the devices tab will, will be that repository for everything, all of your matter devices. Uh, and, and it's also a, a starting point to these, the controllers for each of those devices. Uh, and we, we made some big updates uh, to the controllers as well. So with this update, uh, you know, we support something like 60 new device types uh, or, or increased support for, for 60 device categories. So what's 
an example of a device that I can control right now from Google Home that I couldn't six months ago? Where do we start? <laughs> you can open or close your garage doors and your gates. Uh, so for my parents, very, very exciting. We've made updates where you can now use a precise slider uh, to actually allow the right amount of light through your curtains or your blinds. Uh, you can check whether your washer is in wash or spin cycle before pausing it. Uh, you can toggle an ice maker. Mm -hmm. uh, you can switch modes on your air purifier, your humid dehumidifier. So, you know, just a, just a couple examples uh, for for the kind of breadth we're building into the app, because we think that all of that coming into Google Home ultimately makes things like your automations much, much smarter. Because I like, you know, let's go back to the sort of the end goal here, just making all of your devices smarter and bringing them into, into the app so you can control each one individually. That's that's not the end goal, right? Like I think we talked last time about the, the real goal with the smart home and the vision for it is make everything smart so that you can ultimately make them all work together versus working just individually. Uh, and so that's where, you know, automation will start to play a, an incredibly powerful role moving into the future. Always feel that third tap with automation sort of is where the magic happens. But it has to be, I guess, in a way where it works for the rest of us. I think there are probably people listening to the pod right now who have some smart home experience and they've actually been coding their smart home on other platforms. And that's maybe great for them, but not so great for, as, as I mentioned, the, re the rest of us. So how do you make sure that, that it's powerful enough yet easy to use? Yeah, and listen, we are definitely building for both the mm. rest of us and those those folks you talk about. We can we can come back to the that advanced group in a in a second, but yeah, the 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 third tab in the app is the automation tab, uh, and I agree with you. I think this is where a lot of the magic uh, is going to happen, right? Where it's going to be about getting devices to work seamlessly together. I think the big challenge for all of us in the industry is how do you how do you make that a lot easier for folks? Mm -hmm. And we think we're taking a first step there, we're, but we're just getting started. Now, the automation tab is and, and household routines uh, is sort of where you can you can get all of your smart home devices to act as triggers and actions. Uh, so, for example, you'll be able to do things like, you know, set a schedule for your sprinklers to turn on uh, and then set a timer and then make an announcement that you've started watering your plants. Right? Mm -hmm. uh, you can set a routine that automatically closes the garage door uh, when somebody leaves their home at a very specific or time of the day or within a certain time range. Uh, so bring more devices into Google Home for our users and let them work all well together. Uh, and the automation tab and, and household routines, we're gonna make that simpler and simpler over time, but more like more powerful under the hood. And the idea is that you've gotta make it super easy for, for anybody to get started uh, with something like an automation, not just the, the folks who can, who can do the advanced scripting and things like that. Exactly. And it shows that it is easy to use. But then, indeed, those more advanced folks, they probably care about the script editor that you mentioned before. I think most people are wondering, like, okay, so what kind of scripting language is that? Can I, can I learn that? And what sort of benefits does it offer for those people who, who like to spend time in, in, in that kind of environment? Yeah, uh, the automation tab, very much for all of us. Mm -hmm. But we've definitely had sort of a cohort of power users that have been really excited uh, when we when we shared back in the fall that we were working uh, on a script editor. Uh, and so that's about to roll out to preview this week. Cool. Uh, and, and so what we did is we, you know, we built this script editor to give, you know, that cohort of users, those those early adopters, those power users who really want to invest in getting it, you know, very precise to give them more control over their home automation. Uh, so it's early days for us here. 
but this tool, what it's going to do is it's going to provide a new way to create very quick and, and edit really powerful home automations using a, a, a language called YAML. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you can easily create scripts for advanced automations with even more device traits, conditional logic, and actions that that aren't even available in the app just yet. And I'm guessing you're putting that in preview first because you'd like to hear from those expert users uh, to see, you know, what's great and what could use some more work perhaps. Absolutely. And you know what? I expect and I hope that that set of users will be uh, incredibly opinionated and share a lot of feedback. Uh, but yes, that's coming to uh, to preview on home.google. Uh, so that's, you know, Google Home on the on the web. Uh, and we're bringing that to the to the mobile apps on Android and iOS as well. Amazing. So those advanced smart home users better check that preview out. Absolutely. You also mentioned the home panel, which sort of existed in a way, I guess. So what is new there? And especially, I think, in the context of the Pixel tablet coming up. Okay. First off, uh, the Pixel tablet and the dock. Yes. It's a game changer. I'm excited that I can actually talk about it now. That's that's really cool. But I've had the pleasure of using it for, for over a year now. Uh, and I cannot wait for people to get their hands on it. Uh, so, you know, to start with the basics, great app ecosystem is absolutely critical for this tablet. Uh, you know, so we invested uh, a lot in actually optimizing the Google Home app uh, for both landscape and portrait orientations. Mm-hmm. So you'll you'll see that all of the tabs, you know, have this nested navigation bar uh, so that users can move around really quickly to, regardless of the orientation. Uh, we made some deeper investments in things like the camera timeline. So you can actually see the camera viewer off to the left, uh, the you know the the timeline on, on the right. So you know better utilization of the screen real estate that you get from a, a larger screen. Uh, and Pixel tablet and, and Android tablet users will see those these updates rolling out this month. So that was very much a, a starting point. But you know then drawing from you know many of our learnings from smart displays, you know we kind of asked ourselves you know, when this tablet was docked, right? So one of the most unique things about the Pixel tablet is it has this awesome dock. So when you're not using it, it sits there, it charges, uh, you know, it acts as this great speaker. So when it was docked, could we actually make this tablet even better to control your smart home? Uh, and so that was a, the seed of a, a thought for a small part of our team that was sort of thinking about this. And, you know, what it resulted in was, was what we call this new home panel. Uh, and, and what that is, is it, it makes controlling your smart home much faster, uh, and it does that by giving you this really quick access to the home app, your your home app favorites, uh, with only a tap on this home icon that you can see at the bottom left of your your device lock screen, right? Uh, and the home panel brings you quick one tap access. You get you get your favorites, you get your spaces, and you get it directly from the lock screen, right? So think about your experience today, right? So today, mm-hmm. when you want to do something uh, in your smart home, you go to your phone, you pick it up. You unlock your phone, you type in your PIN or, you know, authorize with your face. You scroll through a couple screens to find your app. You open the app, you wait for it to load. We took all of that and condensed it into one tap and you get your home. Uh, and we thought that itself was just an awesome experience, right? So we made it so much faster uh, to get to your lights or your lock or your cameras. Uh, so so that, that was a major part of that investment. Now, again... That dock part of the Pixel tablet is so unique. So when the new Pixel tablet is docked, what the home panel does is it actually turns your tablet into a smart home controller, right? So from hub mode, Mm -hmm. the entire household, right? So myself, my wife, my kids can very easily control access to a light switch, turn off a a plug or whatever it might be. Uh, And then when, you know, when someone does something like rings a doorbell, 
uh, anyone in the home can actually see who's at the front door. Uh, you get this beautiful, proactive, full-screen notification. Uh, you can very quickly answer with two-way talk, with quick responses. Uh, and so you can access the home panel from, from the pixel lock screen. Gives you faster control, faster access to your devices. When it's in dock mode, you get a bunch of additional experiences that are communal for the home, which is really, really exciting. So that's the home panel. Uh, you know, we'll roll that out on the Pixel tablet. But by the way, this is coming to the rest of our Pixel portfolio as well. So I personally have been using it on my Pixel Fold, and it's a fantastic experience. Uh, it's coming to the rest of the Pixel uh, portfolio of, of phones and devices as well. Anish, the previous time we spoke, we spent quite a lot of time on Matter. You know, we said it is the future of the smart home. I think we spoke in 2022, and we sort of felt like 2023 is going to be the year of Matter. So how are we doing? And what's the next step in creating that ultimate smart home with Matter? Some of the things that we talked about last time, just to recap, right? So Google, you know, was very much a founding member of the Matter Consortium. Uh, and, and we remain huge believers in the potential of Matter and the future of Matter. A lot of that is already here, right? Uh, a lot of the promise of Matter was to make it easier, faster, more reliable, more interoperable for your smart home. And we're already starting to see a lot of that value. Uh, so we have since rolled out some big Matter investments from FastPair, right, in Android to uh, set up all of your Matter devices to supporting uh, Matter on a number of Nest hardware uh, devices, set up and control in the home app uh, of some of your Matter devices on, on Android. And, and now actually with this update, uh, users will be able to use an iPhone uh, to set up their Matter devices in Google Home. So with the arrival of iOS 16.5, uh, it, it essentially no longer matters what smartphone you're using, pun intended. Uh, our Google Home users will be able to set up any Matter device, regardless of whether they're using uh, Android or iOS. Uh, and so this is something we at Google Home are very proud of. It's a win for users. And by no means uh, the extent of our investments in Matter, we're continuing to invest heavily in improving the Home app, uh, making it a much better controller for Matter, uh, thinking about the next sort of set of Matter devices that will come into the ecosystem as well. Right. I think it's important for people to understand it's not like, okay, now Matter has been launched and that's the end of the story. It's basically the beginning of the story right now. Absolutely. And, and part of that is, you know, we've talked about Matter and, and the promise for a number of years. Uh, I think towards the end of last year, that's when you started to see and, and started to realize uh, that it was, a, it was a real thing, right? Uh, all of the major providers launched support for it. Uh, a lot of the smart home device manufacturers have, have rolled out their devices with Matter. So absolutely, we're we're in early days of uh, the early innings of, of Matter and uh, excited to continue on that journey. Anish, we have something brand new. We have super fans of the Made by Google podcast and, of course, of the Pixel uh, portfolio and the Google uh, hardware portfolio. And they have sent in questions. So we have two of them. They're for you. So, cool. so let's see how you're going to do with those. The first one is from Colin from the UK. And he's asking, with the increase in smart devices and home automation, what design features did you take into account for the design on the Google Pixel tablet? I'll talk about two of them. There were, there were a number, but uh, to give you sort of two examples, uh, on phones, users use the Home app in one orientation, right? right. Uh, in portrait orientation. On tablets, it's quite different. Users switch between orientations uh, and you've got this much larger screen. So uh, one of the fundamental parts of of redesigning the home app for the tablet was, hey, we've got a lot of real estate when when the tablet is in in this landscape orientation. How can we deliver better experiences that that make use of that real estate? 
And so I think a good example of this is the camera uh, controller. So if you if you switch your tablet uh, into into landscape orientation, you'll see the the camera experience adjust where you've got this beautiful large viewer off to the left, and we've adjusted it so that the timeline uh, sits on on the right, and it actually makes it very usable. You know, you can sort of scroll with your fingers or your thumbs on on the right side. So so that's that's one example. Uh, you know, I think the other example is is what I mentioned earlier. The Pixel tablet has this unique property of of having a dock, mm-hmm. and the interesting thing about the dock is that when a tablet is docked, you're actually interacting with your smart home controls at a slightly large, different distance than you would when you're holding your tablet in your hand, right? So if you think about it, when you when you have your tablet in your hand, it's kind of like a book. You've got it about a you know half a foot or so away from face, and and your interactions, the touch targets. Uh, can be a particular size. But when you put it on a dock, you you tend to, what we saw in user research is that users tend to interact with uh, the device at probably arm's length. Mm-hmm. And so to get really good usability, your touch targets had to be sort of larger to account for that. And so that's another example of how, you know, from our labs, from our user research, you know, we, we started to understand these distinct patterns that users have uh, and ensure that device tiles and things like that were larger as they move to that docked state of a tablet compared to a a phone. Amazing. I love that kind of attention to detail. And the second question we have from one of our super fans is from Anthony. And he says, is there a way to limit what you can do with the home ecosystem? I would love to restrict what devices my son can activate where they couldn't with a traditional switch. You know what? That's a a great feature request. I've actually been thinking about it a fair amount recently. My kids are still young, so we don't let them touch uh, our phones just yet, but I can see uh, myself even needing that. Uh, but listen, more granular controls for users in the home. That sounds like uh, what what uh, Anthony's asking about. Uh, we don't have that just yet, uh, but it's something that our, our teams will will look at. So hoping to be able to uh, build that out and share more with, with folks over time. Amazing. So thank you, Anthony, for the feedback, something we're going to think about for the future. Anish, as you know, before we wrap up, we always ask our guests, what is a top tip for users to try out on the product they're working on. So we have this brand new Google Home app, uh, a lot of more stuff coming up shortly in preview. What would you say to our listeners? What is the top thing they should try in the Google Home app? I'll give you two, th- I'll give you an anecdote first and then I'll give you a tip second. All right. Uh, so the first one is sort of a funny story. Uh, we've had a few users over the last couple of months mistakenly opt out of preview. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they were in preview trying out the new app mistakenly opted out and boy, did they panic, <laughs> right? This actually happened to my wife too. Uh, she was using the new app. All of a sudden she, you know, hit the wrong button, opted out and she was like, whoa. And what we heard was that people were just clamoring to get back to the new version because what they told us was once you started using the new one, you just couldn't imagine going back. Now, obviously that's feedback from a, a few users. I'm I'm hoping that everyone will feel that way over time. So, so perhaps one, one tip is just, the new app does make it significantly easier uh, to work with your, your home compared to, to the older version. Uh, so that's one. Now, the actual tip for me is the combination of the home panel and uh, favoriting a few light groups is the fastest I've ever been able to turn on and off a light sitting on my couch. Just So what that does is right on my Pixel device, bottom left, there's a little icon, tap home, and I can turn off all the lights in my living room. Fantastic. That, that is 
one of my favorite sort of features as of now. Yeah, just think about doing that with manual switches uh, across the room indeed. So that's much faster indeed. You know, we, we talk uh, on the team that, you know, aspirationally our goal is to make it as easy to control your smart home as a, as a switch on the wall. Uh, and I think we're getting really close there. You know, this home panel and, and favoriting light groups, you're starting to get to a place where you're actually maybe competing a little bit with the switch uh, on, on the wall. So, so that's a good outcome for, for all of us, I think, for, for users, certainly. Definitely a good sign. Uh, Anish, thank you so much for coming back to the Made by Google podcast. I have a feeling this won't be the last time. So hopefully you'll stop by again to tell us what's new in Google Home. I have a fantastic time every time we talk, Rashid. Uh, so thank you for having me back on. And absolutely, uh, I'll be back very soon. So Home Panel coming to Android 14 devices. And once again, the latest Home stuff is in preview for you to try out. So in case you speak some YAML and want to have even more control over your smart home devices. Now, make sure you're a subscriber to the Made by Google podcast so you'll find our latest episodes right in your podcast app. We still have a couple of episodes to go this season. They're going to be great. So thanks a lot for listening. Take care and talk to you soon.